It is the start of something new, the start of something exciting. We have so many updates in this episode because the Giants are making me realize that I might not be able to talk about them for all 16, 17 weeks of this NFL season, and we are literally only just barely into week four. So things are going very well over here, and my mental health is through the roof amazing. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Starting or Settling. I am your host, Julia. That has never changed, nor will I ever stop saying it. Uh, Thank you guys for logging in, tuning in. I don't even know what I was about to say, but once again, mental health is doing really well. Uh, Thank you guys for coming back for another episode. I am kind of excited to record this one. You know, initially, I was going to go through my whole normal thing of going through the Giants game and saying how much they suck and how much I hate everyone and I want everyone gone and and just to start with a clean slate and have this football season end already, which is a lot coming from me because I literally look at NFL football as Christmas. Like to me, every single Sunday is a holiday and the Giants are making me lose that love at this moment just because of how bad they are. Like it's one thing to be a losing football team. It's another thing to look so inept on the field. And honestly, the Giants might be the worst team in football. And some may say "Mm -mm, it's the Jets. No, because the Jets have an excuse. They have a rookie quarterback and a first year head coach. We are just that bad. So life sucks. Um, so what I'm going to do today, as you can tell by the title is talk about the Giants game briefly. I'm really not going to go too much into it because to be honest, there's not much to say other than we suck. But being that I did go to the game with my family was the father's day gift from my brothers and I to our dad. Sorry, dad. I was going to say in advance, but we already went. So sorry, dad. Um, I'm going to talk about that experience because it was my first time back in a Giants game in a long time, which I did mention last time. Uh, so that was that was nice to be back until it wasn't. And then I have some fun updates about the podcast and just my ideas overall for it and where I'm looking to take it. And yeah, so we're just going to get right into it, starting off with the Giants. Giants lost 17-14. There's really no statistics to read off to you because I don't think statistics would properly sum up this game given that genuinely offensively I should say the Giants outplayed Atlanta in the first half I'd say for the first two and a half quarters the Giants outplayed Atlanta the Giants were able to move the ball up and down the field but they couldn't score and that's not a recipe for success at all but you know, with this Giants team, we're so used to seeing them have three and outs or gain one first down and then stall out on drives. So to see them move up and down the field against the NFL's worst offense and put up 14 points solely because they shot themselves in the foot too many times to count, being in a packed stadium for this game was a nightmare because we were all miserable And I was going into this game, I was like, I wonder how people are feeling about this team if, you know, they're frustrated, but have, you know, a a positive sense about them or whatever it is. No, everyone's depressed. People, I'll put it to you this way. The Giants being 
tied with Atlanta with two minutes left to go. And Atlanta, the Giants punted the ball back to Atlanta. And people started leaving. Now, in a normal football game for a normal football team, you would stay, cheer on your defense, hope they make a stop. And if they can't make a stop, hope that, you know, Atlanta misses the game-winning field goal or commits a turnover or does something stupid. People started leaving. And this was a tie game with two minutes left in the fourth quarter in week three of the NFL season. So a meaningful game, meaningful moments. And everybody kind of just knew the Giants were going to lose it at that point. The whole game, the whole first half, the Giants have the lead. We're up 6 nothing. We kicked two field goals because penalties and drop passes forced the Giants to stall out on their drives and settle for field goals, which is frustrating. But at the same time, points are points. You'll take them. Then the Giants defense, who, you know, didn't do anything special, but did a good job of just stopping Atlanta, did what they do best at the end of every half, which is give up a a, a drive for a touchdown. And uh, so Atlanta scores a touchdown with about, I want to say a minute and 15 seconds left or so in the first half. And the Giants fumble by the Giants. I mean, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram was so this was his first game of the season because he was injured in the final preseason game against the Jets. He finally comes back. We're all anticipating it because all we heard is how much the Giants offense missed him, the versatility he would bring, the speed he would bring, you know, how good of a training camp he had had. He comes in the game. He has a fumble and two drops. Fans were cheering when he was subbed off the field. I mean, that's that's the state. That's the state of the union right now, okay? That's the state of the New York Giants as an organization. We are so hyper-focused on all the mistakes because there's just so many and they consume these games that we notice more when bad players leave the field rather than when solid plays are actually made because they're so few and far between. There's nothing to cheer for. The game itself sucked. It was boring. Forget the fact that we lost. It was a boring football game. There was nothing to watch. It was punt, 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 you know, field goal, punt. Like, it was so, so bad. So the Giants, after winning the whole first half only by six points, go into halftime losing by one. Nobody's happy. At halftime is what we really all came for. Eli's jersey retirement ceremony and... He was being inducted into the Giants Ring of Honor and, you know, everyone's chanting Eli's name and cheering for him and it was all happy. And here was interesting, and and this made the rounds on social media already. The Giants owner, John Mara, gets up to speak, give a little speech for Eli. He starts getting booed immediately. And normally I would say how classless that is because, you know, this is about Eli, his achievements, celebrating him. This isn't about our displeasures with the current team. But what John Mara has done with this football team, or I should say has not done with this football team over the course of the past almost 10 years is an embarrassment. It's one thing to, you know, be in it consistently and maybe just miss out on the playoffs or make it to the playoffs, but, you know, lose in the first or second round. It is not normal to be so bad that you are a laughing stock in the NFL. But that's where the Giants are at. That's that's where we're at. And 
he deserved every single boo, every single insult, every single ounce of frustration that was thrown at him because the garbage display that we saw on Sunday at MetLife Stadium is just unacceptable. And, you know, my dad is one of the most positive Giants fans you'll ever meet to almost an annoying extent sometimes because he gives a pass to a lot of players and coaches in hopes that things can get turned around because he firmly believes in the systems that are in place. And he's like, we hired this guy for a reason. You got to give him time. We signed this guy for a reason. We got to give him time. And and that is fair sometimes. And, and he's been right. You know, early in Eli's career, I've said this before on this podcast, everybody was hating on Eli because he threw a lot of picks and the Giants weren't, they were fine. They weren't great though. And my dad just kept telling everybody, wait, I'm telling you he's going to be great. And he ended up being great. Obviously, he's going to be probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, if not definitely a Hall of Famer. And he's no one will ever wear the number 10 for the New York Giants organization ever again, as they shouldn't. And he's a legend for in New York forever. And, you know, he ruined the last five-ish, six years of Eli's career. But for all of those years, we were blaming Eli because it was easy to. And and Eli took it on the chin and he kept his head up high and he kept defending his teammates and kept taking responsibility for the poor play of the team when in reality he had no offensive line. He had a year or two of of solid wide receivers. Uh, I only say solid because the Miami boat trip, everybody knows about that, so I'm not going to get into it. And also had this same defense where they play okay. They might do their job, but at the end of a half, at the end of the game, they give up. They, they, they fold at the most important times. And that's exactly what happened today. And, and we've seen, my brother said this perfectly, we've seen the story so many times. We knew exactly how it was going to end. And it was going to end with Atlanta driving right down the field and kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired. There was no shot in hell we were getting that ball back unless the Giants' defense let Atlanta score. And that's exactly what happened is they drove the ball right down the field, had a few big plays, and kicked the game-winning field goal with three seconds left to win the game. And uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. We're we're not doing well over here, guys. And so And so this... You know, I will say it was nice to be back at MetLife Stadium. The tailgate was fun. It was great to be surrounded by a bunch of, you know, loyal, legit, hardcore Giants fans. And it was in the good moments, nice to cheer with them and high five and all that. Because there's nothing like that. There's nothing like being surrounded by a bunch of people who, you all, when you all have this commonality, cheering for this team that you love so much and have so much passion for. Um, I just wish they weren't good because... It sucks that they're not. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really not a fan of Joe Judge. He's steadfast in still allowing Jason Garrett to have a job and continue to have control of this offense as well as Patrick Graham with this defense. And to be honest with you, it's sickening. What I'm frustrated with is Joe Judge, he tries to be like Bill Belichick where he gives short answers and, you know, makes a lot of generalizations and tries to kind of be a smart ass a little bit. And, and people might disagree with me on that, but that's how I take it mostly because I just can't stand him right now. And it's like, you can't do that. If you suck, if your team, if you have coached this team for 19 games 
and you have six wins out of those 19 games, you cannot have an attitude for anything or anyone. I don't care what a reporter asks you. I don't care whether they're wrong or right, if they're fact-checking or not. I don't care what it is. You have no right to have an attitude responding to reporters who are discussing with you what the rest of the world is seeing that you clearly are not. And I understand Joe Judge has to stick to his game plan because, you know, if it, it won't look good if he changes it because that might mean that he's wrong or he's not a good coach or his philosophies aren't going to work in the NFL and whatever it is. But the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, he got, he got grilled for not following what analytics would say in a game situation where it was fourth and three from the Falcons 39 yard line. And he punted the ball Everybody on on the planet knew that he should have gone for it and didn't. And he got booed beyond belief at the game. And I was one of those people booing for sure. And so the reporters asked him essentially why he didn't go with the analytics there. And he had the audacity to respond that football is not a game of analytics. And if it were, Bill Gates would be a hell of a football coach. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's essentially what he said. And yet shut up. Just shut up because you know what? I I would buy that Bill Gates might do a better job than you as a football coach solely because I think Bill Gates is smart enough to bring the right people in to get the job done. And I don't think Joe Judge is that guy. Um, one thing I will say, the only positives that I can take away from this game are Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, Aziz Ujulari and Graham Gano. The only ones. Daniel Jones has played three football games this year. I give him a minus for Denver, a plus for Washington, as I've said, and I'm going to give him a plus for Atlanta. Um, you know, one thing with Jones that we have yet to see is if he can truly be great, if he can truly be, you know, take that next step and and be that playmaker, be that that go-getter, be that guy that grabs the rest of the team by the shoulder pads and, and throws them into a win. Um, but I also don't know if that's because of him or the offense that he's in. And I'm the more I'm watching this offense and the more that I'm watching other NFL teams, the more I'm thinking it is Jason Garrett and Joe Judge and the scheming. And it is not Daniel Jones. And my simple proof for that is the fact that Kadarius Tony was a first round pick and he has barely seen the field for whatever reason. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both got hurt towards the end of the first quarter of this game and were both ruled out. So you were without two of your top three wide receivers in this game going into the second quarter. And for whatever reason, I'm really trying not to curse here. For whatever reason, we are now deciding that instead of using our first round pick, we're going to use some guy we signed off the practice squad who literally nobody knows. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Kadarius Tony touched the ball twice in one drive. 
and he put more moves on defenders to make them miss than we have seen from a Giants receiver since Odell was on the team. He looked so smooth on the field, like he had full control, and guys were diving left and right after him, and the whole crowd got excited. It was energizing. It was exciting. Because to think to have a guy like that, to have a guy like Saquon, you know, this could be potential gold. And then we never heard from him again for the rest of the game. So I'm really starting to think that it's not Daniel Jones's fault. And he's playing. He made a few throws here and there that were questionable, potentially dangerous. But, you know, sometimes you do have to take risks, right? Like quarterbacks are going to turn the ball over. They're going to throw interceptions or fumble, whatever it is. It's about minimizing that. And, and really making sure that, you know, it's a necessary risk. And so he's still young. He's still learning. But, you know, this is the second straight week without a turnover for him. He has one turnover through the first three games. And to be honest with you, once again, truly the only reason why this offense was able to move the ball. Um, Andrew Thomas, through three weeks, we haven't said his name. I know Atlanta's defense is not good. In fact, they are, I think, the worst in the NFL, and the Giants might be right there soon. But through three games, we literally have not heard his name, which is the best thing you could say about an offensive lineman because that means no sacks, no pressures, no turnovers he caused, no penalties or anything like that. So hats off to Andrew Thomas because he was catching so much heat, especially after the last preseason game. Uh, against the Patriots. Sorry, I think I said the Jets before. I meant the Patriots. Um, so hats off to him because he's killing it right now. And he's looking like he was well worth the pick uh, that we took him at that was heavily criticized by the rest of the NFL. So I will tip my hat to Dave Gettleman on that, even though I don't really wear hats, because it's looking like a good pick right now. Uh, Aziz Ujulari we took in the second round, I believe, this year, an edge, a pass rusher. Defensive end, three sacks in three games with a forced fumble that was huge towards the end of the first half this year. Um, That's huge because our Giants defensive line has not been able to get to the quarterback or or cause really any havoc at all in the backfield. So for him to, to have three sacks through three games and really be the only bright spot as frustrating as that is if this Giants defense was half of what they were last year we'd be talking about them a lot more but because they're just so bad we aren't so I do want to shout that out because that's impressive that that doesn't happen very often so uh very excited about him and uh Graham Gano is just he's killing the game still um he only had to do it twice but he still is perfect on the year so we're going to knock on wood for that one, although I don't think it's really going to matter that much because I legitimately don't see the Giants winning a football game this year. I don't care who we play. I don't care where we play. I don't care how many injuries the other team has. I don't care if the entire team, opposing team, has COVID, which, God forbid, I, I hope that does not happen. But I, I don't care if none of them make it to the game. We would still find a way to lose. And so for Mr. Joe Judge, Mr. Fundamental fundamentally sound, technically sound, clean, smart football over there on his high horse. Buddy, your team ruins drives by drawing penalties, dropping the football, and just making the most inopportune mistakes. And the, the Giants defense should have had three picks on Sunday and dropped all three. Literally dropped all three. I hate everything. I really do. So that was my take on the Giants. I'm, uh, you know, 
not happy as you can tell, which is why it is leading me into these updates that I'm very excited about. Um, because the Giants are so bad, it made me realize, one, I really don't think I'm going to be able to talk about them all year. But two, what am I actually going to talk about? Like the football season realistically only takes up about five five months of the year. And for the Giants, given how they're playing, that's more like four. So what am I going to do for every other month that football isn't happening? Um, and I know that when I started this podcast in my first episode, if you haven't listened to it, it's called Welcome with an exclamation point. It's very exciting. Um, I talk about what my ultimate goals were and are for this podcast. And I really do want to start getting back to that. I've been doing a lot of research and something that's really been of interest to me is something that I personally struggle with a lot, which is influencing, which I'm cringing saying it because uh, I know how generic and basic that can sound, but hear me out. Influencing, but not the Instagram model, millions of followers, millions of dollars, seat geek, you know, whatever people we we have, we talk about all the time because we consume the content of the people with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers all day, every day. And I mean, I do it all the time. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason because they just reach out to so many people for whatever reason, whatever their content is, what they provide for us. And one thing we never really talk about or learn about or hear about and from are people who are either trying to get to that point or maybe they don't want to get to that point, but they've amassed some sort of following that is significantly less, but still enough to mean something. And so specifically, I'm talking about the micro to nano influencer space. Um, For those of you who don't know what that is, a nano influencer is, from what I've been researching, there's like a million different answers, which I actually think is kind of cool because I do think it not being so strict means that there's room for for opportunity. Uh, But a nano influencer generally is defined by someone with like around a thousand followers or more. Um, and then, but they stick within that, like 1000 to around 5,000 range. And then a micro influencer being somebody who has around 5,000 to 10,000, but I've also then seen 10 to 20,000 or even upwards 50 and 50 to like a hundred thousand. Um, but I don't think it's a hundred. I think once you hit a hundred K you're much more, I'd say even 50 K you're much more. Uh, than a micro-influencer. Not to say, though, that that's a bad thing to be a micro or nano-influencer. In fact, I think it's super interesting because putting yourself out there is super hard. This podcast and trying to figure out how I am going to really put my all into it and really, you know, get my feet wet and start promoting it more and, and sort of being more because ultimately that's my goal, right? My goal is to do this for a living. Now I'm not right now because I, this would not, if I, (laughs) if I tried to live off my podcast, I, I would have stopped eating seven weeks ago. Like they're just, that's not happening right now, but that doesn't mean it isn't 
possible one day. Um, and I think what's cool too about the, the nano micro influencer space is that it encapsulates so many people, right? I, you know, I have so many different niche areas that I'm interested in when it comes to those, um, whether it be real estate, whether it be fashion, whether it be sports, um, health and fitness, nutrition, things like that. I think it's so interesting to hear from people who have a smaller following, but in a sense that intimacy just means that much more because you're really touching people, um, on a, on a more frequent basis that, <laughs> that might've sounded a little weird, but like, you know what I'm, you, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you're really having an impact on people's day-to-day lives. That sounds better, but this is an unedited, uncut version of the podcast today as I did last week because I think these shorter episodes sometimes can be nice because hearing my voice for more than 45 minutes, I understand that can be a lot. So I'm giving you a little bit of a break. Uh, But what I'm trying to say is I've really been doing a lot more research and a lot more thinking about how I can diversify the content that I give, how I can really start promoting this podcast more, being this podcast more and, and helping it grow, but also, you know, learning more about people, connecting more with people in every other area of life. I think through the pandemic, through TikTok, we've really seen how creative people can be in so many different walks of life. We're seeing healthcare workers making the most hilarious TikToks. We're seeing hedge fund people. We're seeing artists. We're seeing athletes, you know, so many different people with so many different thoughts and things to say and messages to send. And I think it's so cool and so interesting. So one thing I will say is I'm going to start posting on my Instagram a lot. I have a feeling we're going to lose a lot of followers because of that, but I'm okay with that. Um, But for any of you who choose to stick around and listen and follow and engage, please, please, please engage. Please send me any recommendations of some smaller, you know, micro nano influencers that you know, um, or maybe areas that I should look into that you would recommend. I always say, I, I literally, I don't care if you know, we went to high school together and we haven't spoken in years or if we don't know each other or, you know, maybe said hi to each other once or twice. Like, I don't care. I want to hear from anyone and everyone because I think that's what matters is everyone's got something to say, something they're interested in that could, you know, lead to good things for other people. Um, so I, I have an idea of where I want to take this and I have a direction based on the research I've been doing but it's going to be a work in progress. And so I'm excited for you guys to join me on this ride. Um, So thank you for tuning in yet again. And thank you to the New York Giants organization for making me realize that I may not be talking about football this year for that much longer, but you know, maybe we'll just blow the saints out and all of that will change. But for now, I'm sticking to this story because it's all I have and the only way I can take my mind off of it. So Like I said, please feel free to reach out. Give me any recommendations, anything you're interested in. Um, I would love to hear from you guys and I'll catch you next time.